0: And just another note here about some breaking news. Montreal-born poet, songwriter, and artist Leonard Cohen passing away at the age of 82. There's a posting on his uh, official website. Didn't give any other details, but it did say a memorial will take place in Los Angeles at a later date. Leonard Cohen has passed away at the age of 82. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 7.06. Still ahead on the show... Paul Osbaldison, former kicker for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Justin Sorensen, the excellent center for the Edmonton Eskimos. Eskimos at Tiger Cats Sunday morning, 9.30 for the pregame show here on 6.30 Ched. And the uh, kickoff will be at 11. We have the Oilers and Stars coming up tomorrow night. And to talk a little more about the Oilers, I want to welcome Oilers now host Bob Stauffer to the show. Bob, how are you doing?
1: Good, Reid. How are you doing?
0: I'm uh, doing very well, man. I'm looking forward to the weekend. We've got a couple of Oilers home games. We obviously have the Eskimos playoff game on uh, Sunday, so it's going to be a fun weekend for Edmonton sports fans and for people following along on uh, on 630. Chad, glad, it's great to have the Oilers back home. Tough tough month, 5 home and 10 away. And they're back from a road trip where, I mean, look, Bob, everybody wants to go 500 on the road. I, I don't think they're in the least bit happy, though, with the results on the road. I think they're generally happy with the effort for most of the games i don't think they're happy with the results though of just getting five points
1: well i mean you know and i know uh you played patrick maroon already and i think that the, he's always a good barometer of that because he was with anaheim they had a pretty good team um you know just being around the players i mean the missed opportunity against the new york rangers where you had a chance to at least get a point uh and then the missed opportunity against pittsburgh again and Similar situations, teams that were fast could capitalize, the others a little bit depleted on the back end, and maybe with one line in each game, uh, McDavid, Everly, and Lucic having a tough night against the Rangers, and then conversely, uh, the dry side of the line having a tough night against the Penguins. I mean, that conspired against them, you know, I mean, they could have had seven out of ten points, and we'd be talking about what a great trip it was. So, I, I think the standard's been raised here, Reed. Um I think this group has incredible opportunity to grow. There's so many combinations of factors as to why the team's improved and also the fact that maybe the rest of the conference, and specifically the division, might not be quite as good as people originally envisioned. Uh, there's a window here, and I think that the players realize that and they, they want to capitalize on that.
0: You know, I, I, you you brought up that there have been some guys who haven't had great games along the way, and, and fair enough. And look, I understand, and, and Rob and I heard some of this after the game against the Penguins. When you have a veteran player like Lucic, didn't manage the puck well in a few situations against the Penguins, fair enough, that's disappointing. It's it's going to draw criticism in a hockey-mad market like this. But I think there's a, a flip side to that where you say, okay, there have been some games where a line hasn't been going or or guys have struggled. And they're still 9-4-1. And and I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it, I think, is the depth on this team. And you, you, you never want to – I don't mean a night-off effort-wise, but they, there have been some times where line's had – maybe an off-night is a better word than night-off. There's been guys who've had off-nights, and they're still able to win or, or get the game right down to the final two minutes. And that's a total change from a team that often would rely on four or five players to do almost all the work.
1: they got a way better team read. Right, so they, they got a real number one goalie now. They're better on defense. I mean, they didn't have Cluff on final fifty games. He's there. Larson's uh, been brought aboard controversial trade, uh, trade, but he's uh, you know a big part of the team. Nurse is a much better player. With, had a tremendous road trip. Uh, Russell, and we're not quite sure as to the extent of what's keeping him out of the lineup, but that's a significant. Uh, pieces well at least early in the season so they're better on D, they got more sides up front and then they've got the three centers that are the envy of everybody in the league down the middle all under the age of 23 You know, maybe the best young player, well he is the best young player in the world, how long until Connor McDavid is the best uh, player in the world so they've got a lot of pieces and for me one thing that I'm looking at is I don't think McDavid, Nugent Hopkins and settle all have had really good games in the same game uh, that excites me. The injuries. Every team has injuries. The Oilers' injuries have been in support players, but by my count, they played without five regulars against the Stanley Cup champions the other night in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Drake Kajula, how good was he in the preseason? You know, can he be a more productive player or as productive relative to the games played as Matt Reed was in his rookie season in the NHL? Because most people I've talked to think he's a better player than Matt Reed. So, you got that in your lineup, in your top nine. There is tremendous opportunity for growth. And, I, you know, I don't believe in checking teams when they're down, right? And the others were down. They weren't in a position to win important games uh, before. They got a way better team, and I'm looking forward to seeing this grow, this group grow. And I think they're going to continue to be up for the challenge all season long.
0: You know, Bob, one thing that you've said that that interests me is you've talked about Leon Dreisaitl. And, and you've said you don't know if Leon knows how good he can be. And I've, I've always found that an interesting uh, way to look at sort of Leon's trajectory here. I mean, his first, I think he had 27 points in 17 games last year. Just an incredible pace for the first month after he was called up for the minors. Uh, I, I mean, you've been around athletes, not just in the NHL, but at various levels. What do you think... What do you think has to click for a player for him to realize, oh, wait a minute, I, I can find another level and play there consistently?
1: Uh, well, I think sometimes Leon needs a kick in the butt or a little bit of a wake-up call. I mean, that happened with Europe at the World uh, Cup of Hockey, you know. And uh, even when he was in Prince Albert watching him play, there would be games that – the whole thing for Cell is uh, are his feet moving through the neutral ice, and is he making smart – uh, decisions with the puck. He's a gifted player. He can do things on his back end, that other players can But when he's turning it over and his feet aren't moving, it's a liability for their, the others. So there's things that he has to fine-tune out of his game. You know, like every other player, the biggest thing you're looking for is consistency. But I think there's a player that's got – like with Nugent Hopkins, and I don't know what you think about this, three, but for me, Nugent Hopkins had a really good road trip. Like he was consistent, the work ethic was there. He was hunting pots. He, he did a good job killing penalties. The penalty killing's been fantastic. Lukas has been better this year than he was last year. At least, gotten I mean, five on five, it's not even comparable. He's uh, he's he's been a better player. McDavid has had nights of brilliance, and so Dry settle for Dry to go seven points without a, or seven games without a point, and then to follow it up with a dash four performance against Pittsburgh in which they couldn't keep him away from, like, he had to do better in that game, it, it you know, it shows you that there is room to grow there. Read, is there a team in the NHL better 21 and under? When you factor in the, you know, Nurse and Dry Settle, Dry Settle just going 21. Those two guys are 21. You uh, got McDavid at 19, and of at 18. I defy anybody to suggest any other organization that has better players 21 and under, and you can take it one step further. Is there anybody that's got anybody better twenty-three and under? If you had Nugent Hopkins, Klefbom, and Larson, and that doesn't even include guys like Kajula and Benning, who are going to who are going to be parts of this team moving forward. So it's an exciting time. There is room for growth. Can they win fifty games this year? Probably not. Can they win mid forties? I think we. You know, I, I know we did our preseason predictions. What were you at again? I, just trying to recall I said that.
0: 38. I called for another seven-win improvement. I thought that was very achievable.
1: And I think I was at 44. I think I was that high. And, I, you know, now the thing that I didn't factor in is there's going to be some opportunities with, against some other teams that maybe aren't as good as they've been. Like, I don't think anybody's better than the Pacific. But, you know, from a process perspective, it's how does the team grow? How does their game continue to grow? And I think we're going to have a good illustration on that, Reid the two games coming up this weekend.
0: Well, and I look at, I mean, I look at Dallas tomorrow, Bob, and I, I think sometimes, too, we've gotten into a bit of a, a habit with the orders. And as, you, as you've referenced, you, you, you talk about poor teams different than you talk about teams that are growing like the orders are now. And, I, I think we're well, maybe we're a little bit going to move past the point of whether they're in a back to back or playing on a team in back to back. I just look at the Edmonton Dallas matchup and an Oilers team that is maybe maturing a little bit and saying, "Look, we know what we have to do. Whether we played last night, whether or not they played last night, whether or not we have injuries or whatever, we can put that noise aside and we know what we can achieve if we played well." And they, yeah, I look at a Dallas team whether they played the night whether I mean they're playing the night in Calgary. Big deal. This is a matchup that's, I think, a good one for the Oilers, given where the Stars are at, given their goaltending. The Oilers should have a better goaltender, and given that the Oilers can, I mean, look, maybe the Oilers are a team that can now grind down a team like Dallas, as opposed to being a team that had that done to them so often in recent years. Well,
1: I think three things. Uh, number one, absolutely, Dallas's inconsistency in goaltending and the amount of money they've coughed up to pay for said goaltending. You're, you're you know, you're spending ten million dollars. For two guys, neither of which are over 900 save percentage, that's an area of concern. Their injuries are ridiculous. I mean, it is just they got five forwards out. You know, it's Yadmark yeah, getting hurt. That he was an effective player for them last year. Cody Eakin's a very good third line center. Alex Hempski at the lineup. Uh, Yuri Hoodler, Patrick Sharp. That's five. That does not include Jason Spezza, not playing tonight in Calgary that's six. Now I think Spencer might end up back in the lineup against the Oilers tomorrow night. Uh, but but still. So they're struggling. They're they're banged up and their banged up team is playing back to back. So I want to see the Oilers come out and define the game. That's the point I'm making. I don't want to see Edmonton work their way into the game. There's nothing that frustrates me more. And I think because the Oilers are a better team and because Todd hammered them with that Buffalo game uh, I don't expect to see the other sleepwalk out of the gate against Dallas tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, Bob. All right, thanks for checking in tonight. I'll see you at the morning skate, man. It's going to be a fun weekend. Appreciate your time.
1: Hey, thanks for the warning. All
0: right, thanks, Bob. Yeah, morning skate tomorrow. Uh, obviously a holiday tomorrow, but we will have all your Oilers coverage. Oilers now from noon to 2, and then 5.30 for the face-off show, 7 o'clock for the start of the game, Oilers and the Stars. Step texting in, he says, I hate when Bob says dash whatever plus minus is not a great stat and that makes it an intolerable stat <laughs> just a personal thing if he loves it keep using it but i'd prefer to never hear it again well Steph, i will try not to say it but we are going to dash to a commercial break if that's okay 780 you can also text 63630 baltimore up 3 nothing on cleveland second quarter thursday night football i'll get your hockey scores when we get back This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched Matt Hendricks skated a bit today with his teammates at practice. Didn't stay out for the whole practice, but of the injured Oilers, he's the closest one to coming back. Bruins taking it to the Blue Jackets, 5-2. That's in the third. Wild lead the Penguins, 3-2 in the third. Uh, Stars and Flames are underway with no score early. Jets have jumped out to a 1-0 lead on the Coyotes. Andrew Kopp with the goal. Blues 1, Predators nothing in the second period. In the third, Anaheim with a 3-2 edge on Carolina. Montreal up 3-zip on the Kings after 2. Of course, the Kings beat Toronto 7-0 the other night. Detroit 2, Vancouver nothing after 2. These next two games also through 40 minutes. Lightning 3, Islanders 1, Sharks 2 Panthers to the Oil Kings uh, underway at Rogers Place, and we have no score. Oil Kings in Saskatoon, five minutes into the first. Cleveland got a touchdown. They lead Baltimore 7 3 in the second quarter. Cleveland 0 9. Tell you what, Kellen, if the Browns lose today and go to 0 10, mm-hmm. I think. You and me, and we just get nine guys who listen to the show, just the first nine guys who text in if Cleveland loses, and we drive down to Cleveland and play the Browns next week. What's the worst that could happen? Why we, not? We'd lose? Well...
1: We might beat them! We could get hurt, too.
0: <laughs> They're we big Mark guns. on the line. seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey, Mark. Hey, Reed. Good to hear from you there.
3: Hey, uh, you know, first of all, I want to say I am an Oiler fan, but Bob, man, sometimes he should check his homerism at the door there before he goes on a statement. Sometimes, like puffing his chest out, that defying or telling the listenership to defy anybody who has the talent. The Oilers have under such and such a year. Maybe he should have paraphrased it by saying the Oilers have this all this young talent by sucking for ten years, being the most inept organization, and going to set a record for futility. Or did I guess at ten years, or this year would have been the tenth. I can't remember. No,
0: they've been I'm out ten the years. They t- they tied Florida for the record. If they yeah. miss, if but, they miss, but it had a year. way worse winning percentage than what Florida had. Way worse. Well, well, and well. Sure, you're right. It's it's. I mean, the Oilers past decade, and we'll see what happens this year. Will go to me goes down as one of the worst eras in pro sports. I remember like, yeah. the Clippers of the yeah. '80s. Certainly, the and, current Cleveland Browns. Um, the Arizona, I think the Arizona slash Phoenix Cardinals of the 90s were, were pretty bad for a while. The old yeah. Bengals, the Bengals uh, of the 90s were pretty bad. But, yeah, I mean, they're on a short list, unfortunately. And, yes, like, like Chicago, like Pittsburgh, they've drafted high. Those yep. two teams got better. Columbus has drafted high. Buffalo has drafted high. Toronto's in the process of doing it. Those teams haven't gotten better yet. So we've still got to see which way the Oilers go. Yeah, overall. exactly.
3: And, and as a, a little bit of a continuation of that, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but as a continuation, you've just gotten rid of two of the four first overall picks that you got during that decade of despair, if you want to put it.
0: Well, yeah, that, that that's yeah. right. Now, now, Bob's comments aside, where are you with the team's play this year, Mark? obviously as a lot of I'm excited about it, you know, and, and kind of like you had was reserved and thinking they're
3: going to have improvements, but not this much. But, you know, hopefully they can keep it rolling. What is it, 15 games in or whatever it is? So yeah, we're 14 you
0: know. in. I mean, obviously they're on a really good pace uh, yeah. percentage-wise. November, The November schedule is, is, is tougher. And like I was referencing when I asked the test to, and like I said with Bob, I don't want to harp on that too much because if you're a good team, you win. I mean, look at the Eskimos last year. They didn't have a yep. bye all year. Right, yep, while right. they still won their last eight games and then won their two playoff games. so Yeah, no, I mean, and like a lot of stuff he says, like I listen to his show as well as yours every day and stuff, and I phone in him once in a while. But,
3: um, like, they got to, uh, you know, they, they've they been historical to come back from the Eastern trips and lay an egg, right? So it better not happen tomorrow
0: night. Well, that, and that's, that's a test. Right? It should not happen. I mean, it should not happen. They should have the attitude and the wherewithal and the commitment to not make it happen because good teams are able to scratch out points in tough circumstances, and that's what was encouraging about the the back-to-back. It was kind of a
3: a joke. I think it was written, or maybe it was a blog last year, right? Well, the Oilers, well, they don't do good coming back from the East. They don't play good in afternoon games. They don't do good in Saturday and hockey night and Canada games, and on and on the list went.
0: Yeah, and that's why they're where they were. Mark, thanks for calling, buddy. Yeah, you bet. Okay, 780 uh, 496 A little more hockey as we move around throughout the show. I got some clips from Todd McClellan. I will spice in as we move along. want to welcome Paula's baldest into the show when we get back. Former kicker for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Help the Tiger Cats beat the Eskimos in the 1986 Great Cup. We'll go down memory lane with him, and he's currently an analyst for the Tiger Cats, and he'll give us his thoughts on the upcoming East semifinal. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We're at halftime.
3: The Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
0: And you'll hear from one of Mr. Bowman's teammates, Eskimo Center Justin Sorensen, later on tonight as we shift focus to a little bit of football. The Eskimos play in Hamilton on Sunday in the East Semifinal. The last time they played in a playoff game... 1986 Grey Cup, and this guy was one of the heroes in that game. Former Tiger Cats kicker Paul Osbaldiston.
2: Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day out here in Ontario, and uh, getting fired up for the Tiger Cats game on Sunday.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun, and uh, you've been part of a lot of great playoff games in your career. Just before I brought you on here, I played CBC's Mark Lee calling your 54-yard kick to send Hamilton to the Grey Cup game in 1998. You guys beat Montreal 22-20. You nailed a 54-yarder, Paul, right at the end of the game. What what do you remember about that one?
2: Well, I guess amazing things happen when you uh, close your eyes, swing your leg as hard as you can, and hope like heck things work out. Um, You know what? It it was funny. We We were that type of team that when Montreal scored... There was absolutely no panic at all on the sidelines. It was Ron Lancaster asking me with Danny McVanus where I needed the ball to make the field goal. And uh, I told Danny, just get the ball to the the 50-yard line or better and keep it on the right hash, and uh, I'll knock it through. And, uh, you know, Montreal made a bad kickoff. uh, One pass, one run with 22 seconds left, and there we were kicking the field goal with no time left. It was one of those things that uh, you know you, you would say is a long shot, but to us, it was a it was a done deal.
0: Was that the the celebration pile you got injured in, or am I am I confusing this with something else?
2: No, that that would be the one. Yeah, okay. there was a uh, there was a lot there was a lot of chaos and a lot of weight, and uh, you know I remember uh, celebrating with Flutie, and then all of a sudden everything. You know, I hit the ground, and everything was black, and I couldn't breathe, and my leg was pinned, and uh, you know what? It's better that way than uh, if I'd have missed, and they'd done it for a different reason.
0: Well, fair enough. But you were fine for the Grey Cup, right? I mean, you, I don't think you missed any any time, did you? Any practices even?
2: Yeah, I, 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 the first couple of days, I was a little stiff and sore. Um, but, you know, what's the Grey Cup? I mean, I think at that point. Most guys would play with an arm or leg dangling from a string, so it was, uh, you know, it wasn't anything serious. It was just kind of, you know, awkward, and yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work out for us that year. But uh, the following year, we did just great.
0: Yeah, well, that was two years in a row. Uh, Hamilton and, and Calgary played in, in the in the Grey Cup, and uh, yeah, they won the first one, and you get, then you guys got them the, the second time. Those are some pretty memorable seasons for sure. Uh, Paul, we want to obviously talk about the matchup coming up on Sunday, but. You know, it's interesting with the the East-West, usually teams only play in the Grey Cup. Now with the format, there is the chance for for the crossover. So Edmonton and Hamilton have not played a playoff game since the 1986 Grey Cup. Uh, I was 12, (laughs) and uh, I remember Edmonton being heavily favored but then Hamilton completely turned the tables. It was 39-15. What do you remember about that game, and, and were you guys kind of aware of that underdog role going into it?
2: Well, we sure were. I mean, first of all, I thought I felt like I was 12, too. That was my rookie season, and, uh, you know, I think it was one of those things where, you know, I was too young to understand the uh, the elevation of the moment. But, you know, going in, there, there was a couple of things I remember. Uh, you know, the last half of the season with Hamilton, our defense was just outstanding. We had amazing talent, and we went on a holy terror the last uh, seven, eight games with the defense leading the way and uh, Mike Kerrigan getting hot, throwing out of the pocket. And uh, going into that game, you know, I, I remember the Eskimos, I believe. They were 16-2 and two at the time, something like that. Um, their quarterbacks were pretty good. You might have heard of them. There was three guys on the roster, uh, Matt Bennegan, uh, Damon Allen, and Tracy Ham. Um, that was how deep that football club was and how good the Eskimo club was. That might be the best scouting in the history of Canadian football right there with those three guys on one roster. And uh, we knew what we were up against, but we had a real, real silent confidence. The defense um, had an outstanding game plan, and I believe at halftime going into the locker room, Uh, Edmonton had minus yards on offense, which in the Canadian Football League is absolutely unheard of. Um, So it was one of those games where everything we did was right, everything Edmonton did was wrong. Um, Our game plan just somehow matched up perfectly against Edmonton's, and our defense was just something else. The talent was unbelievable. Um, The way they played that day was unbelievable, and it was just one of those kind of things, again, where you know, we showed up and, and um, you know, we knew we were going to get it done. It, it happens every now and then, sports, and it's kind of a bit of a cliche, but it, that's just what it was. Um, you know, we knew we were big underdogs and deservedly so. Um, you know, we had come back to beat Toronto in a two-game total point series where in the second game after the first quarter we were down by 26 points. And uh, we came back and overcome the 26 points in three quarters, and it was just another you know, another shot in the arm for us that that year, the last half of that year and going into the playoffs, we, we felt we were the team that, you know, had best in on our side.
0: Paul Osbodlison joining us on Inside Sports. In that 86 game, you were the most valuable Canadian. You kicked six field goals so <laughs> clearly you were uh, you were, you were a big key to the field goal i mean that's uh, i mean i i know there's you know there's always a lot of kicking in, in the CFL sometimes the possessions can be short um and i know as a kicker you're probably already to go but i mean i don't i don't know how many times in your career you a, you would have made six you just must have did you feel extra dialed in that day or was it just like okay here we go again i got to go make another one
2: yeah, you know what, it was. Um, it, it kind of went moment in the moment. I mean, um, you know, I had a really good second half of the year when I showed up in Hamilton and it, uh, you know, really, really boosted my confidence. Al Bruno was a great coach, especially with younger players. And, um, you know, the team was very, very supportive around me. The older guys like Miles Burrell and Ben Zambiazzi, Grover Covington, those guys really took good care of me when I showed up. You know, I think they were veterans and they understood how important it was to have you know, uh, a kicker on board that could do the job, and it just—it uh, gave me a real shot in the in the arm. So, you know, I think the first field goal was 39 yards, and you know, I mean, it's my first great Cup. I'm 22 years old, and I kind of hardly remember ever kicking it. You know, it just kind of. was a flash in the flash in my eyes and i looked up and the ball went through and i kind of said wow (laughs) great it went through um and then the rest of the ones just seemed you know um just to happen again it was just one of those days where you know i felt uh you know everything was was bright and you know no matter what we were doing it it just was a feeling in the locker room so you just kind of said okay well i guess i'll hop on board too you you know and um again it was a quiet confidence you know, we have nothing to lose. Uh, all those type of things just added up to the perfect storm for us, you know, with that game, and myself included. You know, I mean, five of the field goals came in the first half, um, which shows you that if, you know, we'd have popped a couple in the end zone, the, the game wasn't really even as close as the score. Uh, the second half was a bit of a push, and I remember I kicked, uh, you know, a 47-yarder, I think, late to, to make it up to six. Um, it was just one of those days
0: again where I and the team felt like, you know, we couldn't be wrong. Paul, let's shift focus to uh, the, the present day, and it, it is a, an Edmonton team that was able to win five of their last six, and uh, I don't want to say it feels exactly the same as last year, but obviously Edmonton really picked up their play late in the season last year and went on to win the Grey Cup, and um, You know, I I like a lot of things about the Tiger Cats, the coaching, and and the roster, but they're a pretty banged-up team right now. And, and, uh, you know, I I hate to sound like the Edmonton homer here, but I'm thinking this is looking good for the green and gold going into Sunday given the uh, Tiger Cats injury situations. How do you look at this matchup?
2: Well, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, it's kind of two teams heading in different directions. You know, Edmonton is a hot club right now. They're healthy. They're playing well. Uh, the CFL um, can and traditionally is a, a league of whoever's hot and healthy at the end wins it. Um, Hamilton, you know, the injury uh, bug right now has been an ongoing problem for the last three seasons, four seasons even, um, where if they don't figure something out, um, they're, they're never going to get anywhere. It's been awful this year. It's the worst season they've had that way. Um, they're missing their best talent uh, receiver wise in offense. Their defensive backs are young. Uh, they're not playing good football. Uh, certainly, I don't seem like the uh, the hometown guy here, but it's just reality right now. Um, you know, are they capable of beating Edmonton? Absolutely. They have a fantastic quarterback. They have some great players on defense. Uh, their special teams, when they're on, can be absolutely the best uh, that you've seen. Um, but right now, for for Hamilton to beat Edmonton on Sunday, they're going to have to put all three parts of their game together. They're going to have to play very, very good football in all three, or I feel that they're going to be in some trouble with a, with a hot, healthy team coming in with a, with a good defense and a balanced offense. And uh, you know what? It's going to be tough for Hamilton, and it's no secret. Um, you know, uh, Do I want Hamilton to win? Obviously, I do. Um, but it's a tough matchup for them right now, and I don't think there was a good one coming in here. I think the best shot they might have had would have been with Winnipeg. Uh, Hamilton struggles traditionally with Wally Buono and B.C. His record is outstanding against Hamilton. And Edmonton's uh, a very solid, hot football team right now. So this is one of those years where the crossover might actually be good for the Western team and bad for the Eastern team. Um, you know, is it fair? Uh, absolutely. It's better that Edmonton's in the playoffs and they deserve to be rather than Montreal or Toronto. But uh, for Hamilton, it's not necessarily a good thing.
0: Well, that leads into my last question because I have been a big proponent, especially for the last couple of years, I don't think the CFL needs divisions anymore. I'd be fine with a nine-team league, and you just have the top six make the playoffs, ranked one through six, and, and you play them down from there. Uh, I mean, you are an ex-player, and, and you would have lived through some of the rivalries within the divisions. And you know, some years, uh, some years the East was good, some years the West was better. Do you do you think it's do you think it's time to get rid of an East-West Grey Cup and just have the top six teams in the playoffs just ranked one through six, regardless of of uh, regions?
2: Well, I think you answered the question for me and for everybody that's a CFL traditionalist. And that's, you know, A, the rivalries are what make this league special. You know, Toronto, Hamilton, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. You know, those things are there for a reason. And it's because of the way that the league's been structured for so many years. So the tradition and the matchups, to me, are are, um, outstanding. And that's part of what the CFL is. You know, is is the fact that, hey, um, you want to see Hamilton-Toronto or Hamilton-Montreal play in a playoff game? You bet you do. Do you want to see a Calgary-Edmonton-Western final? Absolutely you do. And, and I also think that you said one thing that was important, too, is that some years the East is better than the West and some years the West is better than the East. So, you know, there's always two ways to look at everything. Um, you know, the way that you suggested structuring it has merit. So does the way that it is done right now. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer there, and I think you would make half the people happy and half the people <laughs> sad, however the way you did it. But to me, that that tradition, playing in the Hamilton-Toronto area for so long and seeing the tradition and the rivalry and the Eastern Finals that we've had, uh, and again with Montreal as well, I, I just think that that's too precious to give up. And it means too much to the people you know, in the areas and the, and the fans that... You know what, we, uh, we want to keep that as far as everybody that I know and I ever talk to. So, you know, I, I like the underdog that it creates as well. Um, sometimes it's a little extreme when you go back to J.C. Watson, Ottawa, when they're a great cup with five wins. <laughs> um, but Hamilton was also in the great cup in 86 with, you know, seven wins, and that worked out fine just for us. So I like the way that it is. Um, I'd like to see an Eastern team in to make it five and five. Um, but that might be some years off. Yeah. So I would say leave it the way that it is. The
0: tradition is worth it. All right, fair enough. Paul, it was great to have you on the show. Great memories, and thanks for giving us your take on the game coming up on Sunday. I hope we can talk again someday. My
2: pleasure. Thank you.
0: That is Paul Osbaldiston, former kicker for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, checking in tonight. Okay. I screwed up. You may have heard uh, off the top of that interview, I referenced his uh, 54-yard kick in 1998 to win the East Final on the last play and having just played the audio. Well, full disclosure, Paulos ballison's a busy man. We taped that in the afternoon. So I was supposed to play <laughs> the field goal live before the taped interview, and uh, I
2: forgot to do it. He hit one like this in the warm-up. Here's a-
0: Mark Lee, the call on CBC Sports. So basically, I had one thing to remember to make the flo- the show flow tonight, and I forgot to do it, which makes me...
1: Turkey of the night. All right, we'll
0: get to some of your texts, uh, 630, 630. I got some comments on... Uh, on uh, Bob's interview and then the call we had after Bob's interview I got a prediction for the football game as well. We have open phone line 780 496 It's Inside Sports on Ched. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports
1: with Reed Wilkins
0: Okay, 752 Thanks a lot for tuning in 7-6, Cleveland leading Baltimore at halftime of Thursday night football. NHL action this evening. Dallas has jumped out to a 2-0 lead on the Flames after one. Uh, Jamie Ben and Lori Korpakoski with the goals. Blues and Predators 1-1 after two. San Jose with a 3-2 lead in Florida. That's in the third. Also in the third period, Tampa Bay up 4-1 on the Islanders. About eight minutes left in Detroit. The Wings are up 2-1 on the Canucks. Canadians, a 3-0 edge over Los Angeles with 10 minutes to go. The Bruins scored four times in the first period and beat the Blue Jackets 5-2. Jets and Coyotes 1-1 after the first. The Ducks knock off the Hurricanes... 4-2, and the Wild get a 4-2 win in Pittsburgh. The Penguins dropped to 9-3-2 on the season. Crosby did get his ninth of the season in that game. Your scoreboard, as always, is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. In the WHL, the Oil Kings are up 1-0 on the Blades. That's after the first period. Okay, Alan and Darren, loyal listeners, checking in. Says, hey, Reed. first of all, Jason Moss has done a great job learning quickly and proving he can coach. Also, Eskimo games are great for us younger folk. There are plenty of pretty girls, tickets, and really great prices for the entertainment value. Also, uh, every home game has a great crowd. Alan and Darren also say the Oilers are proving they're the real deal. They're in the top three in the NHL for being a well-rounded team. Peter has done a great job building a team for Todd to mold into a championship team. That is Alan and Darren checking in tonight. Uh, EJ, or or sorry, Eric texting, and he says, Hey, Reed, I was happy to hear the perspective of you and Rob Brown on the game the other night. I think the Oilers did a great job, and I look forward to the rest of this season. Keep it up. Enjoy your show while doing my deliveries. That is from Eric. Well, glad to be a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a distraction while he's working. Bringing some joy into his shift. How's that, Callan Kennedy? Michael says, I predict Edmonton 27, Hamilton 24. I am more concerned for Ottawa. I I certainly agree with that. I I, I would favor the Eskimos going into this game. They have a better record than Ottawa, but I think Ottawa can potentially uh, uh, give the Eskimos a lot more problems. Let's do it right now, Kellen. Predictions for Sunday. I'm going to go Eskimos winning it 30-21 over Hamilton. Okay, uh, I'll take the Eskies as well, but it's going to be closer. 24-20. 24-20? Yeah. The other game, I'm going to take the BC Lions. Okay. To handle Winnipeg, 31-15.
2: We got not much indifference this week. Uh, I'll take the Lions as well. Uh, Let's go 35-17. Well, we're not giving the Bombers and Matt Nichols a lot of love, are we? No, no.
0: We are no. mean spirited. I, I think
2: honestly, it's got the potential with the bombers and that's being like that crossover game that Nichols had for
1: us in the playoffs a few years I, ago.
0: I've I've disrespected the bombers almost all season long. Yeah, like I I said they would I said they would finish ahead of Saskatchewan, but I had them at like 7, 11, 7 and eleven or something. like right, that. Right, right, right. I remember that. Uh, they've done well. I just think BC. Better, better coached at this time oh, yeah. of year, more experienced. Oh yeah, absolutely. Though so you do have Andrew Harris going back into BC to play the Lions. That's that's interesting. an back interesting dynamic. It's going to be a good game. Yep. The Big L says, uh, "Read regarding the last phone in from a very accurate commenter, Bob Stoffer Certainly is a homer, but he's also a long suffering homer, and I can relate." <laughs> and DW with what might stand up as the text of the night. Bob Stoffer can say whatever he wants about the Oilers as long as he doesn't talk about tree planting in the late 80s. I was beginning to think that McDavid picked number 97 because that's how many times Bob has told that story. Puglia Yarvi next at 98. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Rob says, great interview with Paul Osbaldiston. He's picking Eskimos to win 36-26, and Rob is going with the Bombers on the road. Wow. 27-24 over the lines. That's going to be a fun day. Football games, NFL going on, and Oilers and Rangers as well. That's all on Sunday. There's a big game in the Chinook League on the weekend. We're going to tell you about that. Love to talk to senior hockey. Jason Lundmark from the Stony Plain Eagles when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
3: For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does.